0: Talking Giants presented by SeaKey. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And we've got our wide receiver positional review, which I think is an enjoyable one. You have some cool conversations on some guys, a couple free agents uh, that, you know, led the Giants in receiving. And clickbait, we're going to talk about Daniel Jones wanting $45 million. What? what? So we'll talk about that as a second to start. But Justin, we both got home from Daytona today. How are you doing?
1: I also want forty five million dollars. It's good to want, as your father would say. <laughs> as my father would say, it's good to want. And hey, Daniel jo- da- Joe Shane may be telling Daniel Jones that too. Hi, Bobby Skinner. Had a really awesome time at Daytona. NASCAR really did hook us up. It was kind of like my lifelong dream to go to that race, and we did. I wanna do you have anything to say about Daytona? Because I kind of want to reflect on like our last month. It's been kind of crazy for us personally.
0: We try our best to not like talk about podcasts have a bad habit of talking about stuff that people don't click on to listen to for like the five, first five, 10 minutes of the show. But I did want to talk about Daytona cause it really was fun. Um, I think it was just the most fun work trip we've ever done for John yeah. boy media. Yeah. Um, where the giant stuff is more stressful. Training camp is fun. actually training camp is probably the most fun, um, thing we do. Uh, but it was awesome. And we, we started our own media company, uh, Myself and your content, Jack and Zoe of We Got Icer content, and then Kevin, Kevin is social media, and Ronnie is is video and production. We are starting Piss Boy Media. We're splintering off from John Boy Media. <laughs>
1: yeah, piss Piss Boy Media two thousand twenty three. We're gonna we're gonna take it over. But I mean, I, it it was awesome, man. And I can't say anything besides it was just it, it was a dream come true. I mean, even just getting on the track on Sunday, I was like a kid on Christmas. Oh, oh, bad a uh, bad analogy you can for say you. It. <laughs> I was like a kid on Christmas where. Just on the grass, on the track, we signed Talking Giants versus the World on the track. Um, I put a uh, uh, Raise Hell, uh, Raise Hell, Praise Dale on the track too. And I like, I've always wanted to run up a NASCAR track with like high banking just to see what it's like, and also to record it to be like, look, look at how like steep this is. I finally got it, got the chance to do that. So it was just super cool. It was super awesome. We met like hung out with like Austin Dillon for a little bit. Yes, it was a little forced cuz we were filming a video, but you know, did like i racing with him. Like, you know, I got to dr- we got to drive a video game NASCAR simulator with a NASCAR driver and a pretty good one too. So, I mean, there was so much uh, some other stuff that happened and it was really just like a dream come true. Oh,
0: fourth and fifth grade Bobby like dreamed of these. So, it it was yeah. it was it was just fun. It was a fun event, obviously. Um, got to do it with some cool people from John Boy Media too. Yeah. Also, I learned I still, I, you know, when Jimmy Johnson retired, and I haven't been as big on NASCAR as a kid, I was like, I'll root for the Twenty One Woods brother, the oldest team, like. But I was like, I don't, I was like, I don't really truly have a fandom, like you know, I do with the Giants and Nets. When he was the leader with fit 17 laps ago on that yeah. caution, fandom totally came out of me. Where I was like rooting, I was nervous, and then he was very bad on the restart. Um, so it it was cool, um, and part of the reason we're able to do this stuff is because of people like, uh-huh. Tobias Comenga. Wow, Justin, who is Tobias? Tobias Harris. He is not Tobias Harris, but Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris was one of the more underrated players in the league. I agree. He was on the Magic, and then he became like kind of a more overrated player. But not so- Tobias Comenga. He is very he is. I'd say he is
1: underrated. Mm, underrated. That is certainly true. Patreon.com slash talking giants. That's where Tobias went. And for $2 a month plus some other tiers, he could hang out with us live while we record the shows. Tell you, free agency is coming. If there's a move that we make, and, and uh, some kind of extension slash franchise tag is coming for two of the most important players in this Giants franchise. Decisions are coming. So you want to be there live. Uh, while we're recording those shows to get those kind of early reactions, and also you can let us know what we're thinking too. Uh, Bobby Skinner will also send you some stickers and magnets, and there's some shirt raffles that happen around twice a month. Patreon.com slash talking giants. Thank you to our patrons, Bobby Skinner. Can you believe it was just like around a month ago that the Giants made the playoffs and we had like those awesome playoff events, like back to back, and then we went to Mobile, and then I went to the Super Bowl, and then we went to Daytona, and this was all like within the last month. It feels like
0: years ago the playoff watch parties, <laughs> and it feels like the draft is tomorrow. Like time is, time is flying. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's it like it's crazy that it's been a month, and like I f- I feel like kind of worn down. And you even like crammed a Super Bowl trip in there too. So, um, it's it's been nuts. So, yeah, but, but we
1: are very lucky too. I mean, all right, one more thing, and then the oh, wide receiver. lucky! Just,
0: it's been it's been sick. It's been dope. It's yeah, been I mean is dope.
1: And we're very, very lucky that we get the chance to do this. The NASCAR was the coolest thing just because I like Bobby and I, we really like we really talked about how bo- it was really both of us that we really grew up like hardcore racing fans, even even more than Giants fans, um, which is which is a crazy concept because we are ultra awesome Giants fans. So dream come true. We're very, very lucky. Thank you to John Boy Media. Thank you to you know everybody. And thank you to all of you who let us
0: Patreon member who lets us do this. All right, let's talk about the wide receiver review. Except for first, we got to talk about the Daniel Jones forty-five million dollar thing. Yeah. So it comes out on Sunday that he's changing his agency. He's leaving CAA um, to to uh, to a new agency that represented some quarterbacks that have gotten some big contracts, like Dak and Deshaun Watson. Which is like that is very interesting. Like I don't know exactly what that means um and Ryan Dunlevy reported that the official the first contract talks were a little bumpy for them um that is really interesting i but the thing is is i don't know exactly what that means like where did they go bumpy like cuz if unless the unless the giants are like offering them 25 i really think it's more about the years and outs with av- yeah. and then average annual value because i think at the end of the day, the average annual value is going to be somewhere between the 35 to 39. And I think it's it's the years and the outs um and what what these teams want out of it. And it could, it could go both ways. It could be where the Giants want three years, or Daniel Jones wants three years because he wants to re up uh after that and take advantage right. of of a of a bigger salary cap and kind of you know more bet on himself. Um or the Giants could be like, you know. We want five, uh, you know, want five years because you know it helps us down the road. Or Daniel Jones could want five years because he right. wants longer, long-term security. So I don't know exactly what the contract, what, what, what all is going on with that. But the thing that got people really in a, in a frenzy was Mike Florio saying on his on his show that Daniel Jones could possibly want up to as much as forty-five million dollars average annual value. The reaction to that has been kind of silly. One. Mike Florio is known for saying anything for a click, right? And he also didn't say like, "Oh, that is exact." That is what he's asking. It could possibly being up to forty five million. It's like you know the whole definitely maybe type thing. Um And at the end of the day, asking for something isn't bad business from their side. No, it's just it's like you know like that. That's it. Like 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 Saquon asking for like. Just like Daniel Jones, if he's at, if he is asking for $45 million, it's insane. It's, I get the business part of it. It's like you, you got a highball when you come in. Um, just like Saquon Barkley, like if he wants, say, Christian McCaffrey money, that's insane. He does not deserve that. He has not earned that. Um, but it's just kind of like contract 101 is you come in
1: high. Yeah. For me, it's about the years. 100%. Um, I, I know the, the AAV is going to be a number that I'm a little uncomfortable with and but here's the thing, if-
0: I I don't even think 35 to 38 is uncomfortable it's because it's so big but when you compare it to other quarterbacks and how cap will move like yeah. it's
1: that number that number doesn't phase me really it's the it, it would be the years for you too like are we locked yeah. in for 4 years you know and
0: i think well and here's the thing what is only Joe Shane and Brian Dable and the and people in the Giants building know this, or at least it hasn't been reported by anybody. The question is, how much do they truly believe him? And I think it comes down to Daniel Jones ran their offense extremely efficiently. He had, was ninth in EPA. He had a really good year. He was a yep. good quarterback this season. The question is, when we did go do our film reviews every single week and there was a play here and there where, hey, this could have been a chunk play, but he didn't take the shot. Is that being coached into him by this staff or is that a post 2019, 2020 Daniel Jones where it's just in him where he's going to be naturally conservative? Like that's, that's the, that's the question that we don't know unless we are a coach. Um, uh, and I think that comes like, so it's, do they truly believe in him? Are they going to view him as, you know, uh, a a guy who they don't want to commit to long term? Because if they, if they truly believe in him, they should be trying to get a five year deal done. If they like him, but they don't want to stop themselves from upgrading the position in the future, it should be a three-year deal.
1: Yeah, and coming into this new regime with Brian Dable and Joe Shane, I said my approach to the quarterback position is it will be clear whenever they make a decision on the quarterback that will be indicative on if they will keep their jobs or not. (laughs) If Daniel Jones is signed to A five-year deal, and it's clear that he's here for a good chunk of that five years. uh, There's a decent shot that, hey, that will be the time that Joe Shane and Brian Dable's fate will be will be decided, right? You know, if he signed for a three-year deal with an out after year two, you know, the the future of the quarterback position, and that's what I'm that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for that three-year deal, even if the AAV is is high for those for those like two-ish three years. I'm hoping that Joe Shane and Brian Dable can maybe have that flexibility to move off of Jones if they want. But I realize that's, that is almost too perfect of a world for us to be in.
0: Yeah. I, well, we're going to do the whole giants pending free agents on Friday, but I'm pretty confident I'm going to end up in the three year boat because if he, if, if you are in a position that you want to resign him and he's going to come in big money, I think that's a good problem to have. Um, we're like, that's a lot better of a problem than being like in year two and being like, we want to get off of this, but we can't um, yeah. type of problem. So,
1: yeah, I, I will talk about more of this on Friday too. But just a glimpse into my brain, I am a lot more concerned about what the future of Saquon Barkley is going to be than I am about Daniel Jones. And all that I'm seeing online is Saquon Barkley, you know, we'll, we'll, Saquon Barkley will be back either way franchise tag or extension and Daniel Jones's average annual value can't be too high because you have to sign guys like Saquon Barkley, Andrew Thomas, Xavier McKinney. I'm not automatically putting Saquon Barkley in that conversation of the Giants need to keep enough cap space to sign Saquon Barkley. We'll talk about it on Friday, but I am way more concerned about having that conversation than I am about Daniel Jones.
0: I know we keep saying we're going to do this Friday. You know why I'm confident that Saquon Barker would be a giant this next season. Why? Because supposedly they already offered him twelve and a half mil, and he declined it. And he's not going to get that on the open market. It's bold. Uh, it's a bold statement, Con. I don't. You don't. Could could a team offer him
1: like close to McCaw? Could is there a team out there? I I think that I think there will be a team that does that. Because I'm going to be honest, Bobby, I, you know, we had Myrick on, we had Myrick on, and you know, all we all we talk about is early down efficiency. And when the Giants started the throwing ball throwing the ball on early downs, that's when the offense became more efficient towards the latter part of the season. And I was hoping that Chris My- Chris Myrick did mention in our interview that the offense did evolve. But when we asked him what made the offense work, he said it was running the ball. And I honestly, I, I, I know that we're right. Like, I know that throwing the ball on early downs is, is the key to success. But I do think football people, like, running the ball is an important thing. And I think there will well, be a it, team. It is an will, important thing. No, and, I'm, and I'm not dismissing that saying that it's not, that's not what I meant to imply, that it's not an important thing. But I think in terms of the value of Saquon Barkley, somebody will, even if it's a two-year deal, Somebody will give him a good chunk of change to be on their roster next year, even if that's yeah. not the Giants.
0: Yeah, I could see it on like a two year deal. So we'll we'll talk about it all on Friday. Um but let's get into this wide receiver review, which you all clicked on to <laughs> listen to listen and watch to. Um Justin, the wide receiver room evolved as the year went along, from day one of training camp to, you know, to week thirteen of the season when it kind of got set in stone at that point. Uh, definitely not a good wide receiver room, but I feel like they got into a place by the end of the season where they were comfortable with what they had, and like we were just talking about, they are like, okay, we can run a drop-back offense. Like we, we, we have the guys capable of running a drop-back offense. We're not going to be slinging the ball over the yard, but we feel comfortable with the guys that we have. But I will say, we're going to start this off with the guy who is wide receiver one for the New York Giants in 2022. And at 26 years old, he took a pay cut to start the season and take play on the minimum contract. He played four snaps the first two games of the year. But again, for the third time in four years, he led the New York Giants in receiving with 724 yards. And that is one, Darius Slayton. Darius Slayton didn't even get training camp reps with the first team, Justin. Like, we were there. They, he was not in, Like, a lot of times, it was more third-string reps then second team reps like this team did not want him, but he was needed flat out needed. He's an unrestricted free agent. And Justin, he had his best season. When you look at the stuff on a per game basis, like he had his highest catch rate of his year for uh, 64.8%. That's up uh, over seven points from uh, his rookie season, his highest yards uh, per catch from 15.4 to 15.7. So he had more yards per catch was targeted deeper Um more consistently with again a much higher catch rate and then when you eliminate the fact that they didn't play him in the first two games and the week 18 game versus the eagles where he got one snap he had his highest yards per game and fit with 59.4 from his career high 52.9 his rookie season like he was truly their number one wide receiver and this giant's offense it cannot operate without darius slayton like when hodgins came when they were running two tight end sets. The one constant once Sterling Shepard went down was Darius Slayton. And if at any time Darius Slayton were to miss games after Sterling Shepard got injured, Justin, the offense would have looked horrible. It would have been horrible because there was no real receiving threat who had the speed that he had, had the ability to get Yak, which we'll talk about him with Yak where it's been a turnaround for his career. It's almost like scheme matters with Yak a ton. Um, And Slayton had a, a, a good year for the Giants, But there is some negatives.
1: Yeah, Darius Slayton, man. What a frustrating player. I like Darius Slayton, but what a frustrating player to like because this team would not be able to survive without him, yet I don't feel most people have that take. Most people don't feel that Darius Slayton was an absolute necessary part of of the 2022 Giants' success. And that's not even when he was targeted. Frankly, I'm sure, and you know, I'm sure you look at the film, uh, their teams need to respect a deep target. Even if there's not a deep passing game, NFL teams still do respect the ability for a 20-yard route to be run and then that 20-yard route to be attempted, targeted, thrown to, catch to, etc. Darius Slayton was the only... Deep receiving threat on this team. And how different does this offense look? And I will ask you this how different does this offense look if Darius Slayton doesn't at least serve that threat?
0: I think they're ranked like twenty-fourth or twenty-fifth in scoring. Yeah. I really do. Because when Hodgins came around around, they had a decent three watch. I mean, Justin, Marcus Johnson was a starting wide receiver for the Giants for like five games this season. And that was next to Darius Slayton. Like they they were starting David Sills. This team, they they he absolutely was needed, um, you know, and, and like you said, they didn't have much of a deep passing game. But when they did, it was Darius Slayton. Five of Daniel Jones' ten deep completions were to Darius Slayton. Um, also, something that doesn't get brought up much with him this year, like he had good stat numbers. He caught. He had some big defensive pass interferences that he he uh, drew this season. You know, when he first came in in that Bears game, drew one on a fifty yard pass. That's a, that he created, that's a, that's another 50 yards that should be on his stats. The Ravens, when we scored the touchdown at the end, it was third down. He draws a pass interference versus the Jaguars, which was the game that came down to the line. He draws a pass interference. They get first and goal at the one. They, they, they rushed the ball in with Daniel Jones. So like he was a, like created big plays, not only just, you know, in the, in the ones that he caught, but you know, in the ones where he drew pass interference. Um, that being said, the drops are, so very real with him. Yeah. You know, his rookie yeah, he had the issue in college at Auburn. It like disappeared his rookie year and it's actually gotten worse as his career's went along. Where he was at 7% in 2020. Last year, um uh he was uh, he actually got a little better. La- 2021 he was at 10.3%, which is insane, which was six highest in the NFL. 10.3% drop rate is insane. Like Evan Ingram's 2020 was 8.8%. And then this year it was at 9.9%. To basically the same. Um, you know, and it showed up in big moments. You know, he had the drop versus the commanders. He doesn't drop that pass for those commanders. We might win that game. The drop versus the Vikings, that could have been huge. That could have lost the game if if, if the Vikings were able to go down and score there. Um, so it's something that's part of him. Like Slayton was much needed, but Slayton's not. He's not the guy you can most rely upon.
1: No, Slayton shouldn't. And we've been saying this for years, man, maybe outside of 2020, because that 2019 was like, oh, this is legit. Can Darius Slayton be a wide receiver one, wide receiver two? And then I think 2020 kind of answered, even though he like led the team in most st- statistical categories. 2020 answered, no, Darius Slayton shouldn't be relied upon uh, as this wide receiver one, wide receiver two. But I think that's okay. Like, that's fine. But yet we enter every single year where somehow by the end of it, Darius Slayton is wide receiver one. That's not a Darius Slayton issue. That's a front office issue, at least in my opinion. Because one of the one of my favorite stats that I like to look at every single year for Darius Slayton is that, yeah, fans kind of undermine him. Fans disrespect him, sometimes rightfully so. I think a lot of the times not rightfully so. Darius Slayton had 28% of the team's air yards this year. Guess who else had around 28% of the team's air yards? Guys like Jalen Waddell and guys like Tyler Lockett, who those guys are like solidified, bona fide, wide receiver twos on like good, really good, solid passing offenses. Darius Slayton is not the same quality of player as Tyler Lockett, who's getting almost a third of the team's air yards, and then Jalen Waddell, who's getting almost a, a third of the team's air yards as well. Darius Slayton is not that kind of player, yet every single year of his career, he's being asked to. And I think he's overexceeded expectations not every year, because those big moments really hurt you. And he has lost his games before, but his entire body of work is something that should be celebrated, at least in my opinion.
0: He's the he's to me he's the best day three pick of the Dave Kettleman era. The only one, the only player you can contest is Julian Love, and I think if you look at their careers, it's not even close. But if you wanted to go like player versus player right now, you could make the argument for Julian Love, but I still think it's Darius Slayton. Um, and this year, he finally had yak justin like yeah. he like I, I know you have uh, some numbers on that but he had 6.6 uh uh you know like yak yards per catch yeah. that's that's top that's upper like echelon of the league um and he had an off the last two years the offense didn't use anybody correctly but this past year is where he used they put him on the crossers you know but he also did some really good stuff route running wise where like, his, his speed makes him a better route runner. He has that vertical set. Think about all those third and long curl routes that Darius Slayton caught. Like, those are hard routes to catch. And some of them were he was blanketing them and he made some tough catches. Like, he was huge on third down for them. And, again, they would put him in those play action crossers, you know, like versus the Packers and even against the Vikings. And he was able to make big plays, big plays. Um, you know, like, he, he, was, he was definitely their best playmaker on the perimeter.
1: Yeah and with and with yards after the catch I mean there's a lot of plays that kind of just come to mind that Houston Texans uh touchdown going up that left sideline uh that that game I don't think it's a lot closer I mean it's like a 24 24- it's like a 16-16 game if Darius Slayton doesn't like score that touchdown, or maybe 17-16. Um, the, the plays against the Vikings, uh, where he runs those crosses over the middle of the field, uh, he's open, and then he's able to kind of utilize his speed, which we, we really have talked about for years, how fast Darius Slayton is, how fast Darius Slayton is, but we've never seen any play like I can't tell you any play on the top of my head that Darius Slayton isn't showing off his speed with yards after the catch and not yards before the catch right so good on Brian Dable for utilizing that and good on Darius Slayton for kind of maximizing a certain opportunity so yes it is the highest yards after the catch per reception in his entire career now what does help is that he had a career low average depth of target still 12 and a half And it's still like, yeah, Darius Slayton is a guy that's targeted, you know, past the sticks and he's like the deep guy in this offense, but it is the career low in average depth of target every year has been between 13 to 14 yards for Darius Slayton. I think a lower average depth of target helps the yards after the catch per reception. I obviously think the scheme helps, but also, you know, Bobby, you talked about his route running You you could say that his route running did improve and the wide receiver separation numbers would back that up. Uh, he was tied for thirteenth lowest in wide receiver separation this year. Two point, it was around two point five this year, but it was almost the highest of his career. I mean, twenty twenty, it was two point three. That was tied for the twelfth lowest. Twenty nineteen, tied for the seventh lowest at two point two yards. So Darius Slayton better in wide receiver separation this year, kind of compared to his ba- his past years. And I think when you include why his yards after the catch better more wide receiver separation, more crossing routes over the middle of the field, and Darius Slayton just was better with the ball in his hands after the catch this year in general.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was ninth in in Yak per reception. I I looked that up, and I didn't write down. Shout out Doug Analytics in the chat for pointing that out. Um, So he is an unrestricted free agent, Justin. Yeah. I think you have to bring back Darius Slayton unless you get – Two high floor wide receivers, or just a flat out like you trade for Devontae Adams wide receiver one. Like you have to either have like a bona fide wide receiver one, or you need to get two high floor receivers with some speed to replace him.
1: Now I agree with you one hundred percent. If I'm if I'm Joe Shane, I'm doing that. But man, they wanted him gone. They want they blackballed this guy over camp. They stuffed him with Davis Webb and the rest of the, you know, uh, scrubs on the team of the he did summer. did well in
0: camp, too, by the way.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, well, Darius Slayton, you know, he really should be doing well against third stringers. But still, you know, I don't know if uh, you know David Sills was killing it with the first and second team. And, you know, there you go. Darius Slayton was killing it with the third team. And then, lo and behold, whenever he gets into a game, he did all right. And he helped the Giants win football games this year. I don't think David Sills or Marcus Johnson did. Marcus Johnson helped lose football games. David Sills helped cause one of Daniel Jones' interceptions on a possibly game-winning or game-tying drive Monday Night football against Dallas. I digress. But my, my kind of like point to you or question to you is they did not like Darius Slayton over the summer. And the cards is still out for whatever reason on if they, do they even like Darius Slayton now, even when the season's ending? Because really you can make an argument that the only reason why Darius Slayton was playing is because they literally had no other choice.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I actually do lean that he's probably not here.
1: Yeah, I I, like I said, if I if I were Joe Shane, I'm bringing him back because you you can't replace everybody. Um, But I don't think he's back because I don't think they like him. I think another like you said, I think another
0: team will value Darius Slayton more than the New York Giants do, and will give him a contract. Like, you know, you look at all the hell the Giants' offense has been through the last four years and that guy's continually comes out on top of the wide receiver room, like somebody's
1: gonna value him. I know it's a different position, but if the if the main reason is drops and they don't like him because he drops the ball, Evan Ingram got ten million dollars guaranteed this year. Yeah. <laughs> now Slayton is not a great route runner by any means. Evan um, Ingram wasn't a
0: great route runner, but again, yeah. different positions. Like Slayton's best route running comes off of just kind of pure Pure speed, you know the stuff. He's not—he's not like a very subtle route runner, but he's better than he can maybe get credit for, um, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I—I I could see a team that's looking for some speed on the perimeter, bringing them like paying him good money to be their wide receiver too, which I think is a is a fine role for D- Darius Slayton. Nothing gonna be the best wide receiver too, in the NFL, but it's a fun, like you have Darius Slayton as your wide receiver too. I don't think you have a huge issue.
1: His ideal role is the first guy to come off the bench as an outside wide receiver. Not, I wouldn't even say a wide receiver too, where you have like a Devontae Adams on the other side. And now this is with a really good team. I, I think Darius Slayton is best fit as, like I said, that first guy coming off the bench. He's a rotational piece. He's in on certain packages. And then if you have a wide receiver that goes down, you feel perfectly fine that Darius Slayton's in the game.
0: I think he's a starting level wide receiver. All right, cool. Not on every team, but he's a starting, like he will get starter money. Um, I think there's a lot, I think there's a lot, I think there's probably more teams than not that would, he would, he would start on. Yeah. Which is crazy that the Giants, with all their wide receivers issues, had him as a healthy scratch week one. <laughs> yeah. Um, next on this list, Justin, this guy just, uh, re-signed a contract. You want me to read the Seeky Cat now?
1: I would like you to. Please.
0: SeatGeek! Today's episode is sponsored by SeatGeek. If you don't know what SeatGeek is, they're a ticketing app that makes buying tickets super simple. With over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeek, including sports, concerts, festivals, and more. Over 70,000 events every single day? SeatGeek, you truly are insane. They always want to make sure that you are getting a good deal, so... Uh, when you're on the app, look for the green dots. Green means good. Red means bad. It's actually when you like compare it to other apps, it won't say anybody name because you're not supposed to do that. In apps. like, it is the easiest. So like you just like find the darkest green dot, go to it and in, in your area. Like it, it really does help out a whole ton. Others can be very confusing. Every ticket is backed by their buyer guarantee and Seeky is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps. Ooh, that's pretty interesting. And guess what? We've got the hookup. Use code GIANTS for $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code GIANTS. Click the link in the description to download the app. You'll be glad you did. I agree that you'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. Isaiah Hodgins, Justin, 24 years old. Just finished his third year in the NFL. Uh, he had eight games for the Giants. He was a waiver claim. The Buffalo Bills released him. We're trying to get him back on the practice squad. They didn't value him very much. Well, Brian Dable, his former offensive coordinator, comes and claims him up. And they immediately made him, a, like, a, a starter. Like, his first game of the season, he, like, his first game with the Giants, he played 62% of the snaps. You know, they got him that bye week. And he averaged 44 yards per game. And in the eight games that he had, he had 33 catches, 351 yards, and four touchdowns. Uh, and a very high catch rate, a very high catch rate for a guy who's six foot four at seventy eight point six percent. He's a good route runner who is really good at separating at the stem, and he is just reliable. He had zero drops this year. He's had zero drops in his career, actually. Credit to him. I know he didn't get very many opportunities in Buffalo. Um, so we'll talk about him. Uh There is downfalls to his game, but he honestly was a godsend for this New York Giants roster in two thousand twenty-two. Because they finally felt comfortable running with three wide receivers where they did not before Isaiah Hodgins was on the team. They are having to start Marcus Johnson and David Sills was getting playing time. Like He was such a huge factor in them changing up their offense as the season went along, Justin.
1: I started just writing uh, adjectives down to describe Isaiah Hodgins. And the first one that I said was reliable, similar to you. Dependable. Steady, smart. But then I... Smart. Kind of just reverted, tough. but then I just kind of just reverted to is I as is Isaiah Hodgins just not the epitome of smart, tough, dependable of what Joe Shane kind of wants to bring in here, and I definitely like one hundred percent think he think he is. I mean, think back to the. I mean, I'll tell you what. Uh, I he was moving pretty well against the in the Viking playoff game because I honestly thought he was slower. He's slow, but I thought he was slower than what he, <laughs> what he was doing in that Viking playoff game. And then he posts the picture of before the game, how his foot's like broken or his ankles like broken. Um, So he really did change things for this Giants offense. I think 10 of his 33 catches were inside the opponent's 30 yard line. I maybe thought it would be more. I don't know if that's like a really impressive number. But think of how many plays that you run inside an opponent's 30 yard line. And the fact that Isaiah Hodgins, almost 33% of his catches come from, like, that green zone little area, I think that is impressive. Because Isaiah Hodgins and Daniel Jones had good chemistry inside the red zone, and he had a couple touchdown grabs for the limited opportunities. Um, And it seemed like him and Daniel Jones had really, really good chemistry uh, in ideal situations. Even think back back to the playoff game where Daniel Jones was rolling to his left, throws that dart towards the left sideline. Isaiah Hodgins' toe-tap catch comes down with it. So... Yeah, Isaiah Hodgins really, really enjoyed watching him this year. So, what did he route wise? What did Isaiah Hodgins do well outside of kind of just being smart, tough, dependable, like we said?
0: He's very good at separating at the top of the route. Like he knows, like, okay, I got this leverage on the corner, break this way, go do that. Like he, like that's what he was his best at, and that's why for a six foot four guy. Uh, he was able to win in the quick game and the Josh, you know, worked that worked that quick game he became a big target for that so he's very subtle and quick in his in his breaks uh, in, in his breaks on the routes and that's why in the red zone like you know you have those four touchdowns five when you include the playoffs uh, game. It's like, okay, that's where it's not about having Darius Slayton type speed. It's about being a solid route runner. And that's why he was able to get those touchdowns on the whip route versus the commanders. You know, working himself open versus zone uh you know in the in the, the regular season Vikings game. So that's those are the things that he was able to do well. Um and tight went like tight throws, like tight short throws, he brings it in. You know, like yeah. we said, we have the zero drops and he made some tough catches too. Like there's catches where Patrick Peterson's on his back and he's able to like go out and get it, he catches the ball well with his hands. Um, so, but the main thing is, is on the quick game stuff, he is very good at working at the stem and that also helped. And basically, the only way he was targeted down the field and double moves, right? Because right. it's like, okay, we, we're going to try and bite on this guy on some end breaking stuff. And well, that's how that's how you get double moves. Now I got that slug over versus the Vikings in the regular season
1: game. But going back to the quick game, because the emergence of Isaiah Hodgins did directly influence the Giants' confidence to throw on early downs. Uh, I, I think as the season went on, and as Isaiah Hodgins had more success, and as the Giants had more success, like those those things, there it's not just causation. I think it's correlation. And in terms of those, you know, the quick game on on early downs. I did a, an overlay of Daniel Jones's all of Daniel Jones's uh, passing attempts uh pre-Hodgins and post-Hodgins. There's a lot of empty space near the middle of the field pre-Hodgins. And that's when, you know, usually your quick game, it's not always kind of going towards the sideline, but a lot of your quick game is kind of running towards the middle of the field. Think of slants, think of mini posts, think of uh button hooks and curl routes and things like that. And I think Isaiah Hodgins the way that he was able to utilize the middle of the field. And I think that the, the PFF stuff backs this up too, because they track where guys catch the ball. Um, and the, like where they catch the ball around the field. And I think that even backs all that too. Yeah. Uh, I have short center right here. He was 16 for 19, 16 receptions, uh, 16 receptions on 19 targets, 137 yards and one touchdown when he was targeted, the short center part of the field. So Isaiah Hodgins really allowed the giants to utilize the middle of the field and the quick game on early downs. Bobby, you're muted. I mean, that's, that's half of his catches this season.
0: Now, he is smart, tough, uh dependable, dependable or reliable. Um the negatives to his game is he's now he's not like he's not like dog slow, right? Like you know, he's just he's just not fast. Right. Um anything plus 10 yards or like sideline routes like comeback routes, out routes, he just doesn't have that vertical cell to really get into that or like in the crossers where we saw Darius Slayton succeed so well, Hodgins didn't because he just doesn't even if he gets a good break at the route, those routes allow faster corners to get back in if you're not the fastest guy. If you have Darius Slayton doing it, they he, he loses those guys in those routes but those crossing routes are easier to cover when it's someone who's not the fastest and it gets them a good position. And that led to like a Patrick Peter Peterson interception, um, in the first Vikings game, I think told the story of that. Well, where it wasn't a perfect, it wasn't like a horrible Daniel Jones throw, but it wasn't perfect. And it led to an interception. Um, uh, so it's, it's, uh, that's where it's like, okay, that's why it's like, no matter how good at route running he can be, he's never going to be a wide receiver one. You know, and he, and even on a team like the Giants this year, like Darius Slayton was still the wide receiver one for the New York Giants. Um, so again, it's just, he has trouble separating on deep concepts. Now, here's the question that we don't know though, Justin. Could Hodgins be a contested catch guy? Cause he never got the opportunity. Never got the opportunity. Could he be a contest? Like that could, if there's like, what, what can take Isaiah Hodgins, who's 24 years old, game to the next level? And it is that. It's like, can he be a guy you trust on contested back shoulder stuff? Like, specifically back shoulder. I'm not talking, like, throw throw the ball up to, like, uh, Detroit Lions, Kenny Galladay. But, like, work some back shoulder stuff. Because I think that is a way he can take his game to another level.
1: If the Giants and Daniel Jones don't do it with Kenny Galladay, they're not. I I know the question you're asking. If they don't do it with Kenny Galladay, the Giants and Daniel Jones will not be doing it with Isaiah Hodgins. And that's what bothered me about Isaiah Hodgins. Isaiah Hodgins... Like operated as this, like intermediate route runner. Like, if I look at Isaiah Hodgins' stat line, I'm like, yeah, this guy's like five ten, 192 pounds. He was
0: fifth among all wide receivers in catch rate, and he's six foot four.
1: That that's what it's it's such a weird point, but it bothers me that Isaiah Hodgins is six four and his average depth of target is so low, and he's targeted so much in the intermediate like short part of the field. But it bothers me. <laughs> Yeah, it's
0: like we've seen some good back shoulder stuff with him, like even going back to preseason and then at Oregon State. Um, And that just wasn't a big part of the Giants offense. Um, And that could be Daniel Jones related or it could be Brian Dable related. But I think that is a way because he does have good body control where. And and again, you saw it in Buffalo like that. Those are the those are the plays that he made in Buffalo, Um, you know, and he can win at the release, too. Where you can get a cornerback in the trail and, and throw it to him. So I think that's where it's like, okay, can he be someone that can get 20 plus yard targets? You know, not, not leading the team in them, but get, get them where you can throw. It. Cause they really never did unless it was a double move. That's the only time Isaiah Hodgins had wins down the field were double moves. And double moves are cool. They're fun. They're not a way to consistently win a wide receiver. They're honestly more, they're more fluky. They're, they're kind. They're more of they're, – they're fluky plays. Double moves are fluky.
1: And this is credit to Isaiah Hodgins, by the way, because when the Giants signed him, and I, you know, you look at his catches that he had in Buffalo, it's like, all right, well, you're being targeted on the sideline, and you're a Contessa catch guy. Sorry, don't think you're going to work here, because that's just not what the Giants do, and it's not what Daniel Jones does. So this is credit to him that he carved out a role knowing this offense – Being familiar with the scheme already, you know, with Brian Dable kind of last year and I'm sure Ken Dorsey, you know, the the similar thinking mind. You know, being familiar and then just having a really, really good connection with Daniel Jones that no other wide receiver seemed to have over the last few years besides Sterling Shepard and Richie James. Nobody else seemed to have good chemistry with Daniel Jones besides those two players. And Isaiah Hodgins joined that party without even having a training camp. In the middle of a season, and in the middle of arguably a very shitty stretch for the offense too, and he really did change the trajectory of the Giants' season.
0: Yep. So we appreciate you, Isaiah Hodgins. All right, next, the Giants' slot wide receiver, Richie Love James, him. at 5985 hundred eighty-five pounds, twenty-seven years old, had pretty good production: fifty-seven catches, five hundred sixty-nine yards, four touchdowns, an eighty-one point four percent catch rate. Woo! Top of the league, baby. Um. Can I say, though, I think Richie James' success is more Daniel Jones and scheme-related than it really is Richie James. Not to say say you can just throw any guy in there, but I view Richie James' success as Daniel Jones and scheme stuff, because he was open. Like, like he was schemed open. Um, You know, I think he was like seventh highest in separation, and that's not because he was beating man covers. That's because he was being schemed open in zone coverages and for slot wide receivers justin who got like you know more than 7 targets he had the third lowest yak per catch at 3.2 yards, yards per catch yeah, for slot great. wide receivers and he was it's not like he was this this rare slot receiver who was targeted down the field his
1: average depth of target was 8 that's why um, the that's why the catch rate was so high
0: <laughs> yeah so i i think his production again you can't just throw anybody in there and do it but i view his production as more scheme related than richard james but he did do his job pretty well but he wasn't like he wasn't a playmaker for the giants he was just like he was a do your job guy
1: yeah i thought he did it well i mean i i I always like to look at guys and their roles on the team in relation to how we viewed them over the summer i mean let's let's talk about the slot wide receiver depth chart heading into the season Kadarius Toney was part of it. He was not considered a slot-wide receiver, but he was part of it. Wondell Robinson is a slot-wide receiver, so that's number two. Sterling Shepard rehabbing from an injury, slot-wide receiver number three. Richie James, number four. Richie James went from being fourth on the depth chart of slot-wide receivers to leading the team in catches. I think that's a pretty... Pretty solid, fair trade off for a guy that was that low on a singular positional depth chart.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was brought in to be the punt returner, which is he ended up
1: which is ironic, which is ironic because he's not good at yards after the catch. Yeah,
0: like he, (laughs) he, he, like he kind of caught the ball and and was down after that. Also, we actually charted it. I think after the Lions, it was either the Lions or this. No, it was after this the Thanksgiving Cowboys game. At that point, thirty-eight percent of his yards and all of his touchdowns were either garbage time or third downs that didn't convert to first downs. That cha- it, it, by the end of the season, it was only twenty-five percent of garbage time or incon or twenty-seven percent of inconsequential. But at one point, Richie James was the garbage time king. Like I remember, even the first game versus the Titans, like. Richie James is our leading receivers. Like, yeah, he had three catches on third downs that didn't go in the first yeah. downs. <laughs> like third and um,
1: fifteen, and, and you get 12 yards on third down, and you punt anyway.
0: Yeah, and, and his, three of his four touchdowns were all garbage time. Uh, um you know, like you know, two like one one with from Dyra Taylor and then two from Daniel Jones. Um But that being said, like he is like quick at at. He's like quick. He's got a quick release. Like he's a he's a quick wide receiver. You know, so when he was put in some yak opportunities, he able to just kind of just run fast. Um, you know, with, on those on those shallow cross type plays, um, and he actually we caught the ball pretty well too. Like he did have a couple drops, and you know the one versus the Vikings gets remembered a lot, but he did catch the ball very well for them. Um, and he he basically like where he is where he does deserve the most credit is. Some of the complex stuff in the offense of like, hey, if they do this, you got to sit. If they do this, keep going on the route. That's where he was the best. And you even saw into the preseason game with Tyrod, like that touchdown he had from Tyrod Taylor. Like that was some good stuff, like reading what the defense was doing and to carry that route up the field instead of just running it flat like it was supposed to. That's where Richie James deserves the most credit. Is like he was smart like he understood the offense he understood what defenses were doing so he knew where to sit and that's why he had separation it wasn't because oh this guy just beats man coverage it was he knew where to find the holes in the zone and sit in those zones
1: yeah and that like like that was a big conversation point in the summer that wasn't really continually talked about as the season went on about the option routes the choice routes how you know there can almost be like three different options for you to go, but the wide receiver and the quarterback needs to read the same thing at the same time. And since day one, even when everybody else was healthy, Richie James and whatever quarterback just had the best chemistry and Richie James just knew where to go, where to be, where to sit, how to get open. So, uh, you know what, you you it is scheme related, Bobby, but I am I'm not going to poo poo on. Richie James as much as you did kind of the start because yeah it is scheme that's calling the plays and getting him open but nobody else was able to do what Richie James was able to do you know Wandell Robinson a second round pick was not able to do the things that Darius uh, that the things that Richie James was able to do despite playing the same position we were talking about how this is before that Lions game before Wandell Robinson of course tears his ACL and he's a focal point of the offense we were talking about despite Wandell Robinson being a second round pick Richie James is a better football player right now, which is a sentence that should maybe make you a little concerned, but it was just the reality at the time. So uh, Richie James, despite a low average depth of target, he did lead the team in catches, only one less first down than Darius Slayton, despite Darius Slayton having a lot more yards, yards per reception being higher. So Richie James was a chain mover, had a lot of third down catches, uh, even if some of them didn't go for first downs. Uh, reliable guy. And I, yeah. I, I am confident that he will be here next year.
0: I don't know. He's what Even if he if gets, gets money? He,
1: he, you think he gets money?
0: I think he's going to get more than the minimum than what he got this past year. Yeah, maybe. I'm not saying he's going to go out and get eight mil a year.
1: I don't know if team. Here's where I will agree with you. But because
0: I, I, I think Daniel Jones elevated his play a lot.
1: I I and I think NFL teams will view it that way too. I, I think there there are a lot of Richie Jameses in the NFL. These short, small, slot wide receivers that, you know, hey, they're not that good with yards after the catch, but they can kind of get open. But can they be smart like Richie James was in knowing the system that 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 is a different element that I don't think we we all know. But I, I think he's back next year because I think the Giants valued him over the spring. They valued him despite a very, very crowded slot wide receiver dip chart over the summer. He found his way on the team, and I do think he is back next year.
0: We can't end the Richard James talk without talking about how devastating his three fumbles on punt returns were, namely the Seahawks game. Where it's yeah, like that game, we possibly can win that game if he doesn't do that. So um, Richard James, don't fumble the punt returns. How don't do that. that. Alright, so we gotta go a little quicker with these last, uh, few guys. Wandale Robinson, 22 years old, second round pick, tore his ACL, unfortunately. Um, he had 23 catches for 227 yards and a touchdown on a 74% catch rate. Trivia Who had the only 100 yard receiving game for the Giants in the regular season? Wandale Robinson. Yep, and he tore his ACL on the play, on the yard, on his 100th yard versus the Detroit Lions. Um, he only played four games where he got, uh, you know uh 70 of the snaps justin like he he had different injuries and i think that's the biggest concern with Juan Dale, Is like can he hold up with his size wise um here's where he was like much better than richie james is he had 5.5 y- uh yak per catch which was like richie james was third lowest for like slot wide receivers that would put Dale at third highest for slot guys if he got some more stuff and they he was able to be used in like the design they they
1: designed plays for Wandale Robinson. Here's you know, the he difference though. Get the ball. Though, Richie James's average stuff to target was a whole yard higher. Well um, I'm saying
0: they but that's the reason is they designed stuff for Wandale Robinson because Wandale yeah. has that yak ability. Um also he's just faster. So on those basic like in routes, Wandale, like he had some big third down conversions this year, Wandale had on on those in routes. Um And that's where he's better. And I think as the offense uh, evolves, this is talking, pretending he doesn't tear his ACL. Wandale is someone who can be targeted down the field, you know, despite his short stature. Like he is someone who can get open, who can cross the field. He is very, uh, very quick. I think he's more quick than fast, but he is very fast. But he does have to get better at the stuff that Richard James was good, which is being better at the stem. You know, he catches the ball with his chest and almost like, you know, like claps for the ball. Than necessarily putting his hands out for it. Um, you know, he had an eight percent drop rate this year. Um so I I that's that those are the areas where at five foot eight, you have to master to be be like, you know, worth a high second round pick, which are things that can obviously be fixed. We're not you know, we're not sitting here talking like Isaiah Hodgins' issue of not being very fast and not separating on deeper stuff. That's not an issue that can go away. That is something that Wandale can fix. But his ACL tear, Justin, was devastating because he doesn't get this offseason to get better at his game. It wasn't devastating for the two thousand twenty two New York Giants.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 with you there. And we sometimes dismiss the importance of having a a guy that's you know, who gets those manufactured touches. It's important. If 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 you value like myself throwing the ball on early downs, you're not going to be slinging it. You're not going to be throwing it 10, 20 yards down the field on first down consistently. You're going to be utilizing the quick game. You're going to be utilizing screens. You're going to be utilizing jet, you know, kind of those, maybe those jet sweep push passes that you see Kansas city do- does. And that's, uh, that's like Wando Robinson's ideal role in the NFL. Now, do you draft a guy in the second round who kind of gets a lot of those manufactured touches? That's a different story, but he's on the team and we got to utilize him, Right. So, uh, I'm excited to see how he comes back from the ACL. I I don't know what the recovery is going to be. I'm not real, I'm not going into next year saying that Wando Robinson is a guy that I'm relying on. I'm stamping him in as like the giant slot wide receiver that we're gonna count on. Which which sucks, but I think he'll you know he'll obviously be back at some point. Yeah, it's it's the
0: ACL tear just muddies everything. It's like what do we have
1: with this guy when he gets back?
0: Just when does he get back? Like I I would guess that he's a guy who'll be ready for camp. Um but yeah, the the jury is so out on Wandell Robinson and it stinks. Like I wish we'd have a better idea of what we have with him at the end of the season. And right now we have a guy who we saw do well on a few third downs and some design like like he that's where he was like he was good at getting yak. Like even in the Jaguars, game, like he had big yak plays that converted in the first downs, um, you know. So it's like, and and what does he look like coming off of the tornado? Like even let's just forget like oh he doesn't get the off to get better. What does he look like? Is he right. as quick as he is as fast? And say it's it's not, then we're going into year three with a five foot eight wide receiver, and it's like, what 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 are we doing here? So, um,
1: yeah, it's a shame, but I'm I'm now way more excited about Wandell Robinson's twenty twenty four. Than I am about his twenty twenty three, yeah.
0: All right, Justin, let's speed through these last few guys. Not Kenny Galladay, Marcus Johnson, six foot one, two hundred seven pounds, twenty eight years old. Justin, he had a 999, nine catches for ninety nine yards. Um, he was starting for some time, in his last two games of like really playing. Justin, where like the Jaguars and Seahawks game, Uh he had one catch for three yards in those games. On nine targets. He had a 40% catch rate on the year. You know, like in in 107 snaps versus the Jaguars and Seahawks. 107 snaps. He had one catch for three yards on nine targets. And he had like horrible like drops. You know, the drop versus the Jaguars game. You know, the third down drop versus the Seahawks. It was horrible. Here's, Here's how like... Daniel Jones had a very high completion percentage this year. If you just eliminated Marcus Johnson from the team, all his targets and all his catches, for, uh, this is 17 games worth, Daniel Jones completion percentage goes up a whole point. <laughs> a whole point if you just eliminated Marcus Johnson from this team. So that's how, like, how bad he was when he played. And basically, in the at the end of the year, he was simply play action, run deep, and clear space. That's
1: all he was after, after, uh, after that Seahawks game, yeah, Wondell Robinson's on the field, second half of the season. You know a big twenty-plus yard play is coming. Marcus you just Johnson, know it. yes, yeah. What did I say? It was like it was like okay, get re- All right,
0: You said Wondell. Marcus Johnson's on the field. I right, get for play action deep crossers. He's Marcus Johnson's going to run a post every single time. Every single time. Uh, but that pack, hey, we'll always have that Packers game where he had three catches for thirty-five yards. Mm. We'll always have it. Um, he's fast, and that's it. Like, there is nothing else good about his game. (laughs) Kenny Galladay, we should talk a little about this one six catches, 81 yards, a touchdown, 35% catch rate. Justin, maybe we'll, we'll talk about him more when the release happens. We'll spend some time talking about his two years as a New York Giant and this year more specifically. He just couldn't get off the line of scrimmage this year. Like, if we got 2021 Kenny Galladay, he's a valuable member of the New York Giants team. Like, he was averaging 53 yards per game with uh, with Daniel Jones in 2021 I and say the Jason something? Garrett offense.
1: I think if we get 2021 Kenny Galladay, I think he has Isaiah Hodgins' season plus more 20-plus yard catches. Oh, absolutely. They would, they would flat-out target him. But he was nowhere near the player that he was
0: in a disappointing 2021. Just could not get off the line of scrimmage. Just couldn't, he couldn't move. And then on top of that, he had f- drops. He had four drops on seven targets.
1: Big if drops. He didn't
0: ha- he, yeah. If he didn't have those drops, his catch rate goes from 35 to 59%. It's insane how bad he was this year. Like I, even in training camp when everyone hated him, I don't think anyone thought it would be this bad. It was like, it was expected to be like, man, I can't believe we paid this guy all this money bad. Not like this guy is not on the field and rightfully so not on the <laughs> field bad.
1: You couldn't play him. You couldn't.
0: He couldn't get off the line of scrimmage. And it almost like it got worse. Like in camp, there was, uh, there was actually some good stuff with him in camp. And then it was just like week one showed up and he just could not get off the line of scrimmage. But we'll always have the touchdown versus Darius Slay and the block in the playoff game.
1: Blocking the playoff game isn't it crazy that I think both of us consider the Kenny Galladay touchdown catch a top five moment, a top five moment of the year in a year that, in a year that yeah, had catches. in a year that had the Giants winning nine games and winning a playoff game, we still consider Kenny Galladay's touchdown catch in a meaningless game a top five moment.
0: Oh yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> I will always remember it.
1: You would you would think that if we have if we have an, a meaningless Kenny Galladay touchdown catch in a year where he had six catches, you would think that the team would would have would have won three games. Nope, they won nine and a playoff game.
0: <laughs> Crazy. Is there anybody else? Sterling Ster- Shepard. Sterling Shepard, thirty years old, torn his ACL. Thirteen catches, one hundred fifty four yards. Here it would have it said if he was able to stay healthy, he would have been great in this offense. He really would have, like, he would have fit perfectly what Brian Dable and Mike Kafka wanted to do. I think it's time. I like, agree. you can bring him back in the minimum, Justin. Like, and you're, you're not—that's not hurt. It's not hurting the Giants to bring back Sterling Shepard on a minimum. But I don't know if it's helping. The injuries are so bad now, man. They have—they are piling up and they're getting worse and more often. I really think it's time for Sterling. It's—I think—I think, I think his—it's—it's it's done. Like he's thirty years old. Not many guys play past 30 years old. Like it's not like he's had some short career. He's had he's you know, he's the only Giants that has been re signed in the last ten years besides Odell Beckham Jr. Um, I think it's time for him to be done.
1: Yeah, I, I love Shep. I complimented him on this ep. I wouldn't have brought him back last year. I know it saved more money last year, but you're you pushed money into this year. Um and the Giants could use every single cent and every single penny. I would have rather deal with the ramifications of cutting Shep last year and saving whatever money you did, rather than kind of pushing it into this year. But anyway, it, it, we paid for vibes, and the vibes were fun. So, yeah, I'm 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 done with the experiment. Uh, it's not an experiment. I'm I'm ready to move off of Sterling Shepard.
0: Yeah, and it sucks because it's not like oh uh, we this player is not good anymore. It's just the injuries have gotten so so bad. You know, and it's, it, they're not going to get better. So, um, when it, it very, it's a successful second-round pick for the New York Giants. Not as Pay- successful as it could have been because of the injuries, but a successful second-round pick, I'd say, for the Giants. But, unfortunately, I, I think
1: at the time is done. Pay him uh, to be a vibes guy. Yeah, I, the thing is, is bringing him back on the minimum, it's like, well. No, not not <laughs> on the 53. Like, bring him back as a vibes guy
0: yeah maybe he could be a coach you know let's so, do it uh that being said i don't think guys should co- coach from the team that they just finished playing for immediately i think they need to go and be a part of something different if they want to be in their coaching career but maybe down the road sterling Shepard comes back as a wide receiver coach so all right justin that's an episode we went pretty long on this wide receiver review so won't won't waste any time at the end of the show uh you got anything else uh Giants running back coach left. Ah, oh, damn. We didn't talk. So maybe we'll have some news on that on Friday uh, on the guy that they hired. So um, shout out uh, De- De- DeAndre Smith. We we will always miss you. Um, go look at his career. He literally spends one year everywhere. It's kind of funny.
1: <laughs> Which it, uh, that's, it's crazy. Went the the Colts.
0: Li- he went to the Colts, by the way.
1: And I'm not just talking about the life of an NFL head coach. I'm talking about the life of like. Even like going down to like the strength and conditioning trainers and and strength and conditioning coaches, how just it feels like every year unless you're in a situation where you're with the Patriots or you're with the Chiefs and these those coaches are like never going to leave except when they retire. It's crazy the life of these assistant coaches and these assistants in the NFL that just go everywhere and anywhere every single year. The last thirteen years.
0: I'll go I'll go from past to now. Illinois, New Mexico, Syracuse, Purdue, North Carolina, Utah State, Texas Tech, Giants, and Colts. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten stops in thirteen years for for DeAndre Smith. Crazy. His longest run was, I guess he had two three year runs at Texas Tech and then at Syracuse from two thousand thirteen to fifteen. But um, and even before that, two thousand nine UNLV, two thousand eight New Mexico, Miami of Ohio, two thousand five to two thousand seven. Oh my gosh. So. Um, The guy has moved around But he's in the NFL now He'll probably be a, a running back coach in the NFL for like the rest of his career So crap, shout out to him So we'll, we'll have a new one next By the time the end of the week probably Alright we appreciate you guys We'll see you on Friday We've been teasing this episode like crazy The Giants Pending Free Agent Pod Coming on Friday We'll see you then Until then let's go Big Blue